Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria back with you. Uh, I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you're enjoying a restful holiday period. Meanwhile, The Huddle doesn't stop. The NBL season doesn't stop. It's been a really hectic schedule and uh, we've got more games coming left and right over the next little bit. Today, a really special episode of The Huddle. One of the greatest to ever do it in the NBL. Bryce Cotton, the superstar from the Perth Wildcats, the three-time MVP, the three-time champion, and the man who we all just love to watch do his thing on the floor. So sit back, relax. Up next, Bryce Cotton. BC, season's greetings, mate. Thanks for jumping on for a chat. No problem. It's been a little minute. I hope you're doing good. I'm doing very good. I'm doing very good. How, how, how did you and the family celebrate Christmas this year? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, just, I guess, a big uh, little barbecue, ate some good food, and the little kids were just running around, playing by the pool and stuff like that. So uh, it was great weather to be outside and, yeah, just hang around the fam. A barbecue and playing by the pool. The, the papers might not be in, but Aussie Bryce is a real thing, quite clearly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even if I don't have the paper to prove it, I'm living <laughs> like it. What about, uh, did you get, did Santa pay you a visit? What, what did you get for Christmas? Uh, no, Santa didn't pay me any visits this year. I guess I was on the naughty list, but uh, my daughter, she got a lot of gifts. So I guess she was the good one in the family. So uh, at least she got a happy Christmas. Okay, that's nice. Um, I'll tell you what wasn't so happy for you guys over Christmas was that loss to, to Brisbane the other night. The free throws, man, what, what happened at the free throw line? I wish I could tell you. Um, when I saw the box score after the game, I think it was 22 for 40 from the free throw line. It was insane. I don't think I've ever seen that at any level um, of any basketball, but we did it that night and um, obviously we paid for it. Uh, we, had a moment, I think, with four minutes left where we clawed ourselves back into the game, but those free throws and then other things still came back to haunt us, but the free throws really stood out to me too. Certainly, that's the first time you've ever given away cheeseburgers, right? It might be. It's, it's either the first or the second. I might have given I might have given some cheeseburgers away maybe two years ago, but uh, yeah, I guess you got to feed the community sometimes. <laughs> that was that was very kind of you. I, I my my family, we were all watching the game. My son was just like he's he and I together were sitting there at the end of the game. We're like Bryce Cotton missed four free throws today. Just, yeah. <laughs> weird things happen around this time of year. Maybe uh, uh, unbelievable thing. I tell you what though, you guys were on a four game streak prior to that. I I found it interesting you in the press conference that you had in, in Perth the other day, you talked about the intense battles that you feel like have been happening at practice recently. <laughs> Take us a little deeper into that. What's been happening at practice in, in recent weeks that have helped to get you guys going? Uh, one, I think just understanding where we are in the ladder. So things naturally get a little bit more intense. Uh, there might be one or two slide remarks that are made and then all of a sudden it gets a little bit chippy. And, you know, those are the things that we need. You know, I love playing in environments like that, but we're probably going to need some more of it. But, um, yeah, guys just having a little bit of an edge because there's no sense of security um, at all, especially with where we're at. It's such a dog fight, I think, between that seventh 
through probably third spot. Everything is up for grabs and seating will probably come down to the final week. So I think we just need to stay in that mind frame. Obviously, it was a terrible loss versus Brisbane, but, you know, we just don't want to let one loss turn into two bad ones. You know, we've had a four-game win streak. Hopefully, we can um, start another one, especially with some really good teams coming up. Yeah, it's crazy that you've been here long enough to know that that it's it's like this every year, right? Like that that mm-hmm. if you you can, if you can be in that one or two spot, some somehow those teams tend to manage to stay out of the the rough. And you guys have been there a couple of times over the journey. But then if you're like third through to seventh, it it is just always super tight, and every game means so much. At, at practice, you say maybe a little comment here or there to fire things up. But who, who is that in this group? Is that, is that you sometimes? Is it, is it Jesse? Is it Corey? Who is the guy trying like helping us spark that kind of intensity of practice? Uh, I won't, I won't name drop, but I'll say it's not the same person who starts it uh, every, every practice, which is pretty good because everybody has their moments or their day of the week where, you know, they feel a little riled up and it doesn't take much for other people to, I guess, feed off that. And then before you know it, there's, you know, three or four guys, you know, chirping back and forth after a tough bucket or a nice block or steal, something like that. So um, we got to keep doing that, you know, win, lose or draw. I think that's the mentality we have to stick with because it's kind of helped put us back in, in the position to fight, you know, in, in this ladder. Is, uh, is Jay uh, shooting against you after practice? <laughs> no nah, he's not shooting against me after practice just yet uh i want to keep his his confidence high as a coach so I, i'm gonna keep clear of that for right now he's shooting against some other guys though like he's getting shots up there's no way he's not getting shots up yeah every now and again you'll see him sneak off a couple shots to the side or something like that shooting some free throws and you know i i kind of watch from afar just to see if he still got it but he, he definitely does hey we talked about the free throws before Every man and his dog around the Australian basketball scene has his theory or theories about this, but I'm fascinated to hear it from you. Why do you think you get fouled shooting threes so much? I know the answer to that, but I don't want to say it. Come on, come on, man. You don't be so guarded. It's just you and me here. It might give away the secret, man. I'll I'll put it this way. I'm not flopping. I will say that. I'm actually getting fouled, but. Hopefully, you know, the opponents don't figure it out. No, no kick out? No, I'm not actually. More times than that, I'm not kicking out. Like, I just, I mean, I naturally jump forward. So, if a person is jumping to close out my shot and I'm going forward and they're coming my way, like, we're bound to hit each other. So Right. That's clearly got a whole heap to do with it. How off balance you have the defenders before you rise up that they're, you're either snatching it back and they're trying to come lunge forward to recover or they're locking and trailing and doing their very best to stay attached and you just catch it and rise up. Mm-hmm. I reckon a combination of that and the fact that you have so much elevation on that shot. It was, it was interesting to hear Derek Rucker talking about it the other night during the broadcast because you know he is former MVP of the league and had similar elevation on, on his jump shot. Mm-hmm. surely those two things without specifying <laughs> specifically too much have a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is probably jumping forward though. I would say it was something that 
when I went to training camp, I think with the Spurs, they tried to get me to work on because they noticed like when I would shoot the three, by the time I land, I'm so far inside of where I first shot from. So as much as I jump forward, I've actually gotten a little bit better over the years. But um, yeah, it's just naturally how I how I shoot, probably because I put so much into it. But um, yeah, that's always going to happen. If you create some space and then trying to close that gap, I'm coming back to you anyway, because I'm, I'm jumping forward. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, is your thumb okay? I'm out there playing. So uh good enough to play. Um, but I'm no no stranger to playing through uh injuries from time to time. So I don't really shed too much light on it. Have there been stretches over the last couple of years where you haven't had to wear that thing around the house? Is it is it just flare up sometimes? Um, I mean, yeah, this isn't like an every year thing, but for right now, like I definitely have to have this on when I'm not playing and stuff like that. But it's kind of similar to uh, what I did a few years back um, with my other thumb. So I guess it kind of gives me some comfort knowing I've seen this movie before. So I kind of know what to expect for, you know, however long I got to go through with this. Um, you're, you're playing the most amount of minutes on a per game basis of your career right now. Um, is this sort of just part of the, the 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 bump and the grind of an NBL season? This season in particular, with the schedule even more compact than usual, the games are coming thick and fast. Nobody takes more of a beating or carries more of a load than you do year in year out. Is is this just kind of par for the course for you throughout an NBL season? Yeah, I don't really notice any difference. Like this, just kind of feels like another year to me. Um, but yeah, those those things come with it. You know, there's going to be, I guess, nicks and bruises that you get along the way when you're targeted. Yeah, every second of every game, every year. But uh, I condition my body to as best I can to try to be prepared for that type of battle. And then whatever it comes with, it comes with. You speak about it being another year. Another year, another year of you being involved in the MVP conversation. I know you you always tend to deflect and downplay when, when these kind of conversations come up because you're a team guy. You want team success. You want to win championships. The, the, and and I, I understand that you feel like that the individual awards and the things will come as a result of you playing at the best level that you can in an, in an, in an attempt to achieve um, team success. But I want to dive into it a little bit with you because you're in a – like a rare space when it comes to that award and your sort of greatness within this league. You're a three-time winner. Only you, Leroy, and Andrew Gaze have won at least three titles. That they're, you know, those other two guys alongside you are the names in NBL history. Um, you won it in 2018. When you didn't win it in 2019, and you finished third in voting, Andrew Bogart got up on that stage and said, you know what, if it had been up to me, I would have given it to Bryce. You won it in 2020, you won it in 2021, you were runner-up in voting last year. Every single season, you're in that mix. We love the MVP award and we love talking about it because we love the league and we love the superstar players like you in it. But what does that award and your status within the history of that award mean to you? I mean, it's, it's very humbling. Um, 
just considering like how you mentioned the names, uh, Andrew Gaze and Leroy Loggins, like to be able to, I guess, be mentioned in the same breath as those guys, being able to achieve some of the things I've achieved and I haven't played, I don't think half the amount of time they have in the NBL. It's very surreal, like coming into it, I would have never predicted, I guess, any of this stuff. Um, but it's a, it's a huge, huge honor. And um, just with the notoriety of the league, you know, just knowing how good this league is, how good players are, um, it does feel good um, to get that recognition from your peers and, and guys like yourself, because um, I, I do put a lot of time uh, into this game for sure. There's no escaping um, an awareness of Gazy's greatness. You know, we talk about it with alongside him on the broadcast every week. The numbers, I'm not sure if you've ever looked at his numbers, like his 14-time scoring champ and the like. But are you familiar with, with Leroy's greatness and status within the history of this league? I'm familiar with pretty much most of the greats of this league, including him. And so how has that come about? Have you spent time looking back on, on the history and learning about all those kind of guys, Leroy, Cal Bruton, Al Green, these types of guys? All of them. Once I kind of had the hunch that I think I might be playing my career in, in Australia, I figured, okay, well, why don't I get to know like all the different great guys that have played throughout this league, see what they've done and, and things of that sort. So probably the last two, probably the last two years or so is when I really started to dive in and, see who the greats are and what what did they accomplish in their careers and stuff like that both individually and um as a team wow that's really cool and i know for a fact that those guys and a lot of them are still here um you know players obviously the australians that have been great in this in this league the new zealanders but also the americans a lot of them have stayed around just like just like you are doing right now they love watching you play and love watching you kind of join them within that club of being in the upper echelon of, of the league. I, I'm wondering, I'm sure the answer to this question kind of like changes over time, but, and so I'm wondering kind of where it sits with you now with where you're at in your career, but I'm wondering what, what is it that, that drives you now, drives you in your constant search for excellence is it is it to be the greatest the league's ever seen is it to be the greatest perth you know um perth wildcat ever without any kind of conversation with you or ricky grace is it is it about trying to win as many championships as you can what, what is it that drives you in your search for greatness on a year-to-year basis right now um i mean pretty much kind of all of the things that you just said. And I would say, um, like even when the conversations came up, am I the, or being in the conversation for potentially being like the best American to play in this league and stuff like that. Things that, again, you would never think of, but when you're in conversations of these things, like it's just extra motivation, even though I've already been motivated to just, you know, see how far you can push it because there's not often anybody of any sport gets to be in a conversation of being called the greatest anything. So like, if you're in that conversation, I feel like you owe it to yourself um, as well as the people that supported you over the years to, you know, see how far it can go. And um, it doesn't really matter. Like when your career is done, 
where people rank you, but while you're in the moment, maybe that extra juice pushes you to make your career whatever it's going to be. Um, but then at the end of the day, you leave the rankings up to the people, but it's definitely um, a motivating factor for sure. And uh, I still try to block out the noise too, because I feel I have to keep looking myself in the mirror and making sure I feel like I'm playing the game to my best abilities because I do feel sometimes um, I can just be, I guess, taken taken for granted or whatever, or, or what happens is kind of underappreciated. So I don't, I don't focus on that too much. And I just try to make sure I'm pleasing myself because if you get caught up in the hype too much, that's when I feel it starts to get to you. Yeah. That, that taken for granted thing is interesting because, you know, we, we've often talked about it in, in an award sense about, we've referred to it as voter fatigue over the years, right? Mm -hmm. And we've seen that happen with LeBron over the years in the NBA. And I think that that happens amongst like media folk like me, for sure. Sometimes, you know, and I, I a couple of seasons ago when the, the uh, I think you, I think Scott Machado might've been runner up with you. And I spent mm -hmm. like a large part of the second half of that season, just like banging the drum, do not get voter fatigue on this guy because he's the most valuable player in our league. But you know, what doesn't happen like that. I feel like that doesn't happen within your peers, within the coaches and captains around the league who, when push comes to sub shove, actually vote on those awards. And that's why you're either winning it or you're in the top couple season after mm -hmm. season. What, what does that feel like knowing that that respect on a year to year basis really is always there for you amongst the other players and the people that you're competing against on a weekly basis? I mean, that's the ultimate sign of respect because those people are the ones you're battling against. You know, they know what you can do and it's obviously no disrespect to you guys or anything like that, but it's just a different feel like when you play against a player, like, you know what they can do versus um, I guess somebody that's just watching the game. So I, I definitely appreciate that for sure. Um, but, you know, even in saying that, like, still, I try to keep everything internal and making sure I'm okay with how I'm playing and how I view myself as a player. And I try not to get caught up in what the media says or other players, even though obviously it's great when they give you, um, your respect, but I just try to keep everything internal. It's interesting. I, I, I mentioned LeBron there before. Um, and about Hannah, and when I asked you the question about what drives you, I mentioned the idea that that would change over, over time. You know, I feel like how that's changed for you is not maybe too dissimilar to how that's changed for him in his career in the NBA, because, you know, when you come in trying to just be the very best you can be, improve every off season so that you're getting better every year and you're achieving to your potential. And then the other focus is on winning championships. But then now he's at this, this point in his career where, you know, it's, it's, it's him and MJ for, for the greatest of mm -hmm. all time. It's him and Kareem for the greatest scorer in NBA history. And all of a sudden you're at this other, you start looking around and into the, the annals of, of history. And that's what's happening for you in an NBL context. You've made this league your home, this country your home. And now you're like, Okay, I'm in this this conversation here with Drewy and with with Leroy and a chance to 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 just kind of like keep continuing to build where I sit amongst those greats of, of this league all time. Is that is that fair to say it's changed over time in that way? Um yeah, yeah, of course. So like I said, I came into the game, I came into this league with, you know, my own 
you know, small personal goals and wanting to be consistent with that. And then as the talks, you know, got bigger, it's like things just changed drastically from year to year to from am I one of the best, you know, Wildcat players to all of a sudden you're mentioning, okay, is he one of the best Americans? And now it's like, is he just one of the best? So things just continue to change. But again, that's why you have to keep things internal because that wasn't the mindset I was in when I was, you know, constantly trying to get better. So now that this talk happens, like I'm obviously aware of it, but I have to keep, you know, the priorities, you know, the priority. And I feel as long as I keep that first, uh, I won't let any of that other stuff get to me, even though things have changed from year to year, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Let's pivot a little bit. We're talking about the, the respect that your peers have in you. Let's talk a little bit about your respect in, in, in some of them, because man, on a weekly basis, you get, you get each team's lockdown perimeter defender with the, with the job of chasing you around those picks and, and trying to make life tough for you. Um, there's some guys that I love watching, try to do that with you. You know, Antonius Cleveland is one of those kind of guys. Nathan Sobey, over the years at Adelaide and now at Brisbane, mm-hmm. I love watching him match up on you with what, what he does. Who, who do you f- in, feel like, from a respect perspective, plays you tough and has played you? And you're not allowed to say Damian Martin or Mitch Norton in this, <laughs> in this regard, because I know you'll go to those guys. But of opposing teams, who, who plays you tough in that regard? I mean, they all, they all play me tough in different ways. Like just breaking down the different respect factors. Obviously you got Cleveland who's, you know, he's a little bit taller than me, very athletic. So he uses his length well. Then you got Illy, he's around my size, but you know, he's a hundred miles an hour everywhere. And he's so physical. Um, Justin Simon, you know, he's very, very handsy. You can't play around with him with the ball because his arms are so long, you know, he's scratching his knees, standing up straight. So all these players have different skill sets, I guess, that make them so elite defensively. So they all, I guess, give challenges in different ways. So it's hard to say one stands out more than the other, but they all make their mark felt, if that makes sense. Yeah. Coming into those games, like, like for instance, coming into that game against against Brisbane, you know, you're going to have Nathan Sobey matched up on you for most of that game. Those guys study you and what you do offensively, what, what plays JR is going to run for you, how you like to come off those picks, what you do when you're going to your left compared to when you go on your right and the like, do you study them in, in turn as a defender in terms of how they might, cover you and where you might be able to find advantages? Um, as a defender, no, I don't study defenders because I feel offensively, it still just matters what you do. And I'm just trying to get a little bit of space to get my shot off. So my approach mentally is it doesn't matter how you're going to try to defend me. If I can get enough space to where I can get up the shot, it just comes down to whether I make it or miss it at, at that point. Um, and yeah, so, and plus I just like watching games in real time. So I had a conversation with one of my teammates, like instead of watching, I guess, specific clips of film on guys, whether it be offense or defense, I feel if I watch you play every week, I know what you can do. And I know your tendency is way better than watching specific clips that can make you look 
like a completely different player. You could just get a better feel for tendencies in general. Right. So you watch the league when on your off days, you're chilling, you're watching games for that reason? Uh, I watch every single game, yeah. Every single game? Unless we're playing, yeah. And and you, it's like, because you just love the game and or it's like, like what you're talking about there, it's homework, it's study. It's both. I love the game. And then like, I don't like watching quote unquote film. So right. that's where my film sessions come in. You know, if you're watching, if you watch a guy play five times, basically, even though, you know, you watch them the whole season, right? you have a feel of where they like to shoot the ball, what moves they like to do, what they don't like to do off of just five games of sitting there and watching the entire game. Right. And then, so at that point, it's like, I feel like you you learn about players quickly and more naturally that way. At least that's how it works for me. Right, that's interesting. Um, hey man, we'll finish up because I know you got you got other things to get back to. I, I want to just ask you a couple more just to finish off. Last, uh, firstly, of that group, what's what's the best? You were talking the other day in that press conference about uh, Michael Harris, and you're like, hey, listen, if he's got questions about anything, I'm here to answer them for him, and because I think he's got a lot of talent. And it made me think, man. I'll, what's the best advice you've received over the years, whether it was from your mom growing up or Damien Martin, when you first came into the league, Trevor Gleason or somebody else you looked up to, what's the best advice that you've received that's, that's helped you along the way? Uh, the best advice I would have to say I was given was hear what everybody has to say, but listen to yourself. And the way they explained it was when you go through different points in your career, people are going to have advice for what you need to do and all that. And because you're still learning, you listen to what everybody has to say, but you have to remember your voice or your conscience, whatever. That's the final decider on how it goes. Because <clears throat> when you step out onto the floor, Nobody has to make the decisions you make, but you, and you're the only one that has to live with how you play night in and night out. So you're not living or, or playing to please anybody other than yourself. And you have to be real with yourself. If you're going to, if you're going to trust yourself, I guess, in such a high regard. Right. So that's taken me to a pretty high level. Cause I got that advice very, very early on. I might've been in my late teens when I got that. Right. That's really cool because, you know, a lot of people will say like, just, just block it out. Don't listen. Don't listen to anybody except yourself or, you know, your coaches, your, your, your teammates. But you say that maybe there's some value in paying attention, listening. Maybe you, they, someone might have a point that you might be able to take on board, but when push comes to shove, make your own decisions and, and own it. And it, and it could just be a respect thing. Like somebody might give me, might be giving you advice and you don't think it's the right thing for you, but you know, you nod, whatever, agree, and then go out and do what you was going to do anyway. Right. Like, Cause again, you make that final decision and you, you're not allowing that person to feel disrespected and who knows, maybe later on down the line, they do give you something that's career changing, but you keep that bridge open by at least still showing that type of respect. Right. Right. Of course, if that's the head coach telling you to execute a certain coverage, you probably just need to go out and, and do that. That's probably where they'll draw the line. You're right, you're right, exactly. All right, man. Hey, appreciate you. Uh, so good to kind of pick your brain 
mate. Um, an absolute legend of the league. So every chance I get to op- to chat with you and find out a little bit more about how you tick is one that I cherish. So thanks heaps and good luck for the rest of the season, mate. Little hiccup the other day, but you guys four straight before that on the rise and and good luck uh, getting through how tight it is right now and getting into that playoffs and making some noise. Thank you. Appreciate it. And a random shout out to Leonard Copeland. He's one guy that doesn't get the respect he deserves as one of the all-time greats, whether it's just a player in the NBL or American, however you want to categorize him. He's one that slept on for sure. So okay. just a random shout out to him. That is a nice random shout out. You've been watching Leonard Copeland vision. I'm telling you, I know, I know more about this league than you think. <laughs> Appreciate you. All right. Good stuff, Bryce. All the best. All right, man. Take care.